Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. G'day and welcome back to the Green and Gold Rugby Show, where the podcast getting you over the game line, everything to do with um, Australian rugby. It's uh, Matt Rowley, your host here tonight. We've had a bit of a layoff. Um, it was patchy at best last year anyway, to be honest. Um, but we're back at it and we're ready to roll. We've got something very special for you guys tonight. We've got a, a special guest who we're going to talk to in just a minute. Um, but welcoming back some of the... Um, old regulars uh to start with uh, i've got hugh cavill mate how are you i'm, I'm good man i'm good we've got a got a great guest tonight let's get yeah get stuck in all right and then also we've got um jamie mate how are you i'm very good okay now jamie's walking home as we speak um hopefully he'll get home um by the, by the time uh, our interview's kind of over so he's going to go on mute um but the um interview the person we've got to talk to tonight which uh Bit of a favourite of the podcast. Um, always love having a chat to him. Love following him on, on Twitter because uh, he, he gives you the unvarnished, um, I tend to find, um, is uh, Laurie Fisher. Laurie, good day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Matt. Gentlemen, how are you all? Much better having seen an Australian team knock off, a, knock off the Chiefs by 40, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty comprehensive, wasn't it? <laughs> so why don't we start with that, mate? You guys have got, I guess you've done the wash up. So what went what went so right? Uh, well, it's it, it's a little hard to say. Like we, I mean, we, it, it's probably no different to how we tried to play the previous week, but um, it, it it all just seemed to click. I, I, I mean, Chiefs are a little bit softer in defence than the Rebels. Rebels you know, very hard line speed to just go at, which makes it difficult to play. Uh, so I think we learned a few lessons out of that, and it just seemed to click on the night. Uh, like our execution was good, our energy was fantastic, made much better decisions in defence, and, and and just had good pressure on them all night. And I think we got some nice nice structure in our game, and I, and I think if it all all goes well, that we can we can score points, as we showed on on Saturday night. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. But I mean, obviously you got you didn't have that dead weight kind of um, you know David Pocock holding you back um, in, in this game either. Um, so, you know, obviously that, that freed you guys up, no doubt. Yeah, well, yeah, he was the official 16th man for the evening. So uh, he, he got on there and, and, and did his, his bits and pieces. But you're right, um, it, it was actually great to to be able to crank out a performance without him because he's, yeah. I think our win-loss record probably over the last few years would, would be uh, a reasonable win record when he's playing and probably quite poor when he's not playing. So yeah. I think it gives a good confidence that we can uh, we can churn out a pretty solid night's work uh, yeah, with, with a different look to our team. No, exactly right now. I mean, anyone, any team who can do that. I mean, as we were just saying, like, you know, got a, was it only last season that we were still trying to break that duck against New Zealand teams? And so to stick 40 points on one is um, just a fantastic way to sort of, kick off the season. But, I mean, I, I guess to take it back to the beginning, um, so what? Uh, the first question we got tonight, um, so kind of what are the key goals that the Brumbies are looking to take into the season? What, what are you guys looking to do different this year round? Well, we're really just looking to build on on 
uh, what we tried to, to achieve last year. So, um, well, yeah, because everybody knows Brumbies have been a pretty structured side over a long period of time, and and we were structured when the game uh, when the game favoured that, and and we've been structured when the game now probably hasn't favoured it, and we spent a lot of time last year dissecting our game, and and obviously with uh, Peter Hewitt coming in, Dan taking over. Myself coming back, and we, and we really tried to make a quantum shift from where the Brumbies had been over probably the previous, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, and uh, and just put put a put a, a framework around how we play, and and understand the skill sets and and uh, mindsets that we need to develop, and just have faith in in going about doing that. And we you know, we worked from from day one of preseason last year. Um, it took us probably a, a, a little while to to get going but as you know people have got some ingrained habits it's it's hard to change and we've just tried to to not change dramatically uh this year to last year but just try and build on what we had you know was good back into the season last year and, and hopefully um yeah, last weekend's result is, is a sign that we'll be that we're on the right track and uh we certainly haven't won the competition in week two but but we've been able to play a, a pretty good game of rugby against a good side so, mate, when you're trying to make that shift from, you know, more structured approach to, you know, um, less structured approach or a different um, structure, um, can you give me some examples of the sort of things that you guys have done? Like, you know, are there, you know, um, whether there are practices that you guys have been put in place or different skill drills or whatever it might be, you know, just an, an example of how you guys have, have looked to shift things and break things up either last season or, or going into this season? Yeah, well, we're, I mean, we've really gone totally away from having any uh, sort of structured, um, you know, from point A to point B to point C. So, yeah, we, we might we might have a couple of special plays on any given weekend, but but generally we play first phase, a first phase play, and then you know we, we, it, we're, we're, however we end up at that first phase, we might keep going, we might come back the other way, we might keep, there's no predetermined. Uh, plan for what we're going to do second phase. There's, there's a shape in our game and there's people in certain positions but yeah. where we go is determined by what people see and, and what people call. Uh, so we, so we, we, we made a quantum shift away from where we were which was you know, quite structured over a number of phases to take it all out completely, just put shape in our game and what we tried to work on is making sure that, that we've got a range of options open at, at any one at any one time, so that we're we're connected as a team across the field. So we've got you know, if we've got a forward pot off nine, then we've got a link player out the back, and then we've got a forward pot connected to him and a link player out there. And then we've got um, you know you know whether it's the outside backs or back rowers on edges, but we're all linked. So you know we, we, not, we don't just have the option of hitting up off nine, and then what happens next? We could you know we could play out the back, we can shift, we can be out the back again. We could come back a short side, as I say, we can kick in behind. So the challenge that we've worked on is is to get people in the right position so we are linked, so all options are on, and then it's just eyes up and play. Right. And so who, which players or which positions does that sort of decision-making um, primarily fall upon? Well, a lot of decisions are around your, around your 10, around your 12, mm-hmm. Uh, but but a lot of their decisions uh, are based on what communication they're getting from outside. So what communication they're getting from their back rowers, from their wingers, from their fullback. Uh, uh, yeah, they can't see the whole field at one time. So 
Uh, everybody's got to take a bit of responsibility about trying to see where the space is or where the mismatch might be uh, or whether we've just got to roll up our sleeves and, and, and take it in and and, uh, and and see what happens next phase. So, clear decision makers, but it's everybody's responsibility to, uh, to, to, to see where the opportunities are. But probably our key guys may be 9, 10, uh, 12 and 15 to, to drive where we're going to go. Okay. And... Um... Just kind of, I guess, circling back then to the the question um, that I put a little bit ago. So when you're trying to help people, or you, you talked about sort of helping them unlearn what they were used to. I mean, you know, what sort of things are you guys, or have you been doing at training? Is is it just a lot of sort of full game practice, in-game thing and decision making? Or can you break that down into some sort of, you know, practices that help people change their mindset or, or, or help yeah, them with no, those decision-making skills? We certainly break it down in, in, into the elements of the game. So, you know, we, we, you, know, we, you know, we run a couple of different shapes off nine, a couple of different shapes off ten. We make sure we're linked out the back, you know, where the, and, and, and the different ways of how you get the ball out there. So you, you can you can break each of those elements down. So, for example, a training session, I might, I might take a group of forwards and a nine and a ten and we can work on our... Our, how we attack off nine and how we can link out the back. You know, Peter might take uh, some back rows and some outside backs and a nine and w- work on how he might come down a short side uh, or how he might play on a, on a long side, on an open side. And then we try and put those things together in, in, in 15 v 15 type games. But it's always uh, back to the component parts, put it into 15 on 15, back to the component parts, back into the 15 on 15 and 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 uh, and so, well, you know, here's the ball, here's the shape, here's our options, and, and let's let's just go for it. Good one. And, and um, sorry, mate. You, you, oh, hang on, just I'll get you. I'll bring you in just one sec there, Hubert. The, the one thing you touched on that there was you're talking about sort of the coaching setup and how, you know, how you um, and uh, Peter might you know run some different pods there, but. It, how are you guys kind of breaking it up and how you, the, the, the roles and the duties and, and, and who's involved in it? So obviously there's H-Bomb and, and, and yourself and Dan. Um, is that yeah. the main coaching body and how are you guys splitting up the responsibilities? Yeah, that's the main coaching body. We've got Rory Murphy, ex-player, who's, who's on deck uh, taking our scrum now and doing a fantastic job. And we've still got Dan Palmer sort of overseeing that, but he's a bit time poor at the moment. So Rory's doing a really good job with the scrum. Uh, Dan's he's back uh, doing the line out and mall work again, which has uh, got his teeth right into that and doing an outstanding job. I've sort of got a mixed bag of things, so I've, I've t- sort of taken over our general defensive uh, general defensive work. Uh, I, I do you know forwards attack game, uh, do our team breakdown, tackle contest. Peter obviously does uh, all our backline stuff, a lot of our team attack and. And then again, Dan oversees and delivers a lot of that work. So he'll he'll uh, he'll sort of run most of the 15 on 15 stuff. And we've got a couple of other young coaches. Dan Hooper is our academy coach, working on our clearance game, and and uh, Steve Babbage, who's been associated with uh, the Raiders for a long time, just working on a bit of technique around our uh, around our tackle game. Uh, Laurie, what what um role you know ha- has continuity played this year i mean we we you spoke about how you know this has been a long time coming or certainly almost a two year project 
one of the things that the Brumbies have had in their favour this season um, is that you know real continuity of, of 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 a playing group, and really with a few minimal changes from last year's roster, um, uh, yeah, and bringing in a guy like James Slipper as well to boot. Um, you know, has has that helped in the way that you've been able to craft that strategy and that that uh, game plan, that understanding of the players, having having almost a, a, a you know a, a pretty similar roster from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen? Has that helped? Yeah, I think it's hugely important that uh, it, is is it we're at the stage now where where we we understand the type of game we want to play and. Um, and I, I do think Dan's done a pretty good, a really good job, in fact, over the last 12 months, particularly into this season, about uh, understanding where the changes we needed to make in our squad, and and, and yeah, that's an, obviously an ongoing process. So I, I, I think we've got some, we, we've recruited some good players, a little bit of X factor, a little bit of potential, but you're right, the, the continuity from year to year. Once you once you think you're satisfied with what you've got, and I believe, yeah, we we went through some hoops last year to. To, to a little bit of experimentation, but we had a pretty good idea what we wanted to do. We threw a few things out. We changed a few things. We've got some ideas on, on some developments for next year already. But that continuity is, is uh, hugely important, uh, both as, as a playing group, uh, as, a, as a coaching group, as a management group. And, and you know, look, we'll be together again you know, for another couple of years. And, and uh, I think that's really good for the organisation moving forward. Hey Laurie, it's it's Jamie. I've just got a quick question on that X Factor idea. You know, one of the tries on the weekend that was just so special was that inside ball from Christian Leoliafano to Tom Banks, and he sort of breaks through a couple of tackles and then puts on this step, shows the pace, scores the try. You know, this is no news for you guys. He's a, he is a special player. What do you think he has to do to get picked at a Wallabies level? Uh, well, he just has to keep doing things like that. If, if you do that often enough, uh, then you end up being irresistible to uh, to the selectors. You hope like that. You, you can do nothing more than play well week in, week out, uh, and and let selection worry about itself. Uh, the thing I like about Tom is he, he's still got things to develop in his game, but but he's he's a pretty complete player. Like he's uh, yeah, defensively, he's quite strong. He works hard on his pendulum. He's obviously got a Excellent attacking game. He's he's good under the high ball, and he's growing his understanding and his communication of the game. So, I like I, I like the fact that he's that, that he can do that, that he offers quality in all areas of the game, not just in specialty areas. So, look, his time will come. Uh, he's, he's a young man. This is his second full season of Super Rugby. Um, I, I don't mind the idea of of guys. Earning, earning their spot. Um, you know, like people get talked about as next big thing at eighteen and nineteen year olds. I, I, I kind of like the idea that you got to play maybe a couple of seasons, a bit like the Aussie cricket team you now, Michael Hussey or something. You got to, got to score twenty thousand runs or something before you get your shot. Maybe it's not the same in rugby, but I do think we, um, we, we tend to, uh, to, to boost guys up pretty quickly off a couple of games and uh, I, I just think he needs to, to take time and develop and become the, the best player he can be. Yeah, he's also got that some guy called Izzy Falau um, potentially in his way there, I guess, um, as well. Yeah, so, uh, and look, and, look and, he, and Israel's a try scorer, isn't he? He's, he's, a, he's a game breaker, he's a game winner and you know, he'd be the first to admit that he's got other challenges in his game. 
but bottom line to have you know have a guy who who can who can score a try, and that's what the game's all about in the end. Yeah. So mate, here's a straight up question for you, which I think a lot of people probably from from last season and this season will be asking is. Why is it that the Brumbies can construct a world-beating line-out ball, but the Wallabies cannot? So I guess this is, I mean, maybe take the Wallabies out of that if you like. I don't want to necessarily make it a controversial question, but it seems that, and we saw several examples of it on the weekend where, you know, some teams can make it happen and other teams can put that ball in the corner and not look any clearer like they're about to get themselves over the line. Whereas you guys, it seems to be something you can you can just bank on. Um, what's yeah. the difference, mate? Yeah, look, look. I think it's a different challenge at the international level, and uh, I think it's a lot harder. You, you, you don't see too many international sides consistently scoring scoring more tries. I think it's it, it is a lot tougher. But certainly at the Super Rugby level, uh, it's it is a it is an opportunity. And, and I think um, I don't know what other sides do, but I know that we spend uh, an amount of time on it every week. So from from week one of pre-season to uh, this week halfway through that we've mauled every every week uh, in that time so again I, I don't know whether other sides do or, do or don't do that I don't know that there's anything magical about our maul I know that uh, that we're very disciplined in our setup and where people have to be and what they need to execute but we attend to it every week without fail and and uh, and the boys roll up their sleeves and have a genuine crack, and, and they like mauling. They like mauling. They like defending mauls. So uh, over the over the past probably number of years that that, that we the, our first port of call was to make sure that we we get guys who enjoy that component of the game and know that they've got to put the work in. So that's what we do. I don't know what anybody else does, but we we uh, we make sure that we're working at it every single week. Because the way that you guys look at it is that that should just be some bankable points, you know. So, and you know, if you can get yourself into that position with a penalty to the corner, you know, it's just it's a no-brainer. If you can pull two tries in a game just on, you know, well, when I say just, it's it's a really important skill and it's not easy. But um, you know, is that the way you guys think about it? Well, well, they're, they're worth the same as a hundred-yard dash, aren't they? So yeah, uh, they all count. They all count. They all count for five points. So. Yeah. Um, so you've got you've got to you've got to you know you've got to be able to have a, a good strong maul. Like if you if you have a good strong maul, you affect line out defence. You 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 know your sides look at you. Then it'll it'll create other opportunities elsewhere at, at some point in time. And yeah, you know, we we started off with a little a little uh, little loop play on Saturday night. I mean, I, I I think if you look at us probably two or three years ago, I. I'd I, I think we're a hundred. Yeah, you know, we'd be nearly a hundred percent more in the A zone, but I think we've got a bit more about us now, and and uh, and make sides think. So, you know, I guess most often five metres out were more, but I think also we've probably got two or three or four uh, little variations about how we might roll out or hit down a short side or or move the ball away. So. I think we're, we're no longer the one-trick pony that we were, and I think that'll make us even more dangerous uh, when we get close to the line. Okay. And then, mate, just to, it was interesting you were talking about the coaching duties there and sort of who does what. I mean, most people are probably listening to this podcast um, and, and you know, would know you or maybe think of you as like a specialist Ford's coach, but it sounds to me that that's not how you guys are necessarily think, 
thinking about it. And, and do you think of yourself that way, or are you like, well, no, I just happened to do that for a while, but I don't think of you, you don't think of yourself that way. No, I, I mean, I, I don't think of myself as a specialist forwards coach. Uh, I, mean, I think of myself as a rugby coach, and, and I take mm. great interest and have for a long time in all components of the game. And look, I'm I'm uh, hugely enjoying my first foray into, into you know being a, a full time defence coach amongst other duties. So it's it's, mm. it's exciting, it's challenging, it's uh, thinking of of maybe trying to tinker in new ways to do things, and, and so it's great. But, but I think again, the beauty of our staff is that is that we're really comfortable. That there's really good knowledge amongst all the staff about the whole game, and and a really uh, a preparedness for guy for each of the coaches to to uh, have input and discuss uh, another person's area of responsibility. So it's not about well, you go and do this, and and then we'll judge you at the end of the year. If I've got an idea on an attack play or on a line out or, or whatever, then then I'm 100% comfortable and in fact duty bound to come to Bobbin and 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 again if anybody wants to tell me something better that we can do defensively, I'll yes. welcome it with open arms and I, I think that's I think we're really good coaching wise and again I, I don't I don't know whether other sides are, are like that exactly or not but I'm really I think we've got a really good group of coaches. Uh, who who all agree on how we want to play, have a good uh, understanding of the entire game of rugby and uh, are really open about offering suggestion and receiving suggestion. Okay. And, mate, final question um, before we let you go because um, it's uh, getting a bit late is, um, you know, I guess it's, it's pretty early. It's just round two. Um, but I just wondered if, you know... No doubt you've got an eye across all the games that are going on and just a bit of a, maybe got an idea of how some of the referee interpretations might go. Any early inklings of what you think might be like little trends or, you know, a flavour of how you think Super Rugby this year might sort of unfold as far as the way that either the game's being refed or what teams are trying to do? Any little aspect that you've kind of noticed so far, you think, oh, that might be just a bit different or that might be a focus this year? Look, to be honest, there's nothing I've seen that's dramatically different from from last from last year. I, I look at how sides are attacking. I look at the the set piece game. I look at referee interpretation. Uh, I, I'm not, and, I'm, and I still see variety in how sides want to play the game. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I I mean, people talk of of Super Rugby being a you know, an open flowing try scoring game, but but the, the thing that I do like about it is, is that is it you know, sides have got you know, good mauling games or sides have got good pick and drive in the A zone or sides have got good kicking games or sides will go to the edge. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of different ways uh, that, that sides are playing the game. And you, you know, what you've got to do is just be clear in your own mind about how you want to play. Interpretations will come and go. I, I don't think there's any particular uh, slants from the referees uh, I think they've been pretty good the first couple of rounds. Obviously, foul play, as, as Tololati found out, is uh, you just need to keep a, a clear head and a, and a and a clear mind when you're playing because you can cost yourself and your team uh, big time. So um, I certainly think they want a nice, uh, uh, a nice, clean, well contested game, and I, I think that'll be the focus. And and hopefully the sides, you know, play positive rugby, which is all I've seen at the moment. Really good positive rugby. Uh, 
and you know it'll it'll be a really good competition. And it, it's early days, like geez, you you wouldn't be talking up anybody at this stage. Uh, New Zealand sides are traditionally slow starters. Yeah, they've got some real restrictions around their All Blacks early on. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be reading anything into anything at this point in time. I'd just be trying to accumulate your wins, accumulate your bonus points, play well, get a bit of confidence, uh, and 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 hopefully you're in the mix. Uh, mid-season and again at the back end of the season. Right. Well, mate, look, I really appreciate you uh, giving us this time. Uh, what 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 times start for you in the morning? Like, what time do you, are you up and out? Well, we're off to uh, New Zealand in the morning, so we've oh, got to be the got to be at the airport at six fifteen. So it'll be five uh, fifteen up, yeah. and uh, at the airport at six fifteen, fly to Sydney, then fly to Wellington, then bus to Palmy North. So it's a big travel day tomorrow. All right, mate. Well, look, we'll let you get get off then. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. It's great to catch up with you again, and, and good luck for the rest of the season. Let's hope for another almost cricket score against the Kiwi side. Uh, pleasure, lads. Take care. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Laurie. Well, that was awesome. Uh, Laurie Fisher, just uh, such clear-headedness. I think it's so easy when we're watching rugby on the other side and not from inside the coach's box. We don't see that level of analysis and, and uh, you know, a clear-eyed, uh, down-to-earth understanding of all the different factors that go into making a rugby team. It's just fantastic. No, it was, you know, I mean, it was great. Always great to catch up with Laurie. I love how he's just such a, like, down-to-earth guy. But I thought there was some interesting insights there also, how he kind of looks at himself. Um, uh, you know, Obviously, like you're saying, look, you know, I, I see myself as a rugby coach. I can, I can do forward play. I can, you know, I can do back play. I can do defence. I can do attack. It's, it's not any one thing. Whereas I think probably most of us would think, oh, wouldn't it be great to have Laurie in there as a maybe you know, you know like a forwards coach contributor um, to the to the Wallabies, and I'm sure I'm sure he'd be great at. But anyway, it's just interesting hearing about um, uh, the sort of the way that he thinks about himself there. Um, all righty. So look, we'll, we'll punch on. We've got a, um, a couple of more questions that we thought we'd kind of go through. Although, to be honest, they're, they're pretty much just opening it up to everybody. And I mean, I mean, first of all, uh, was just to say, uh, how are you guys feeling about the game this year? Uh, you know, any any different from last year? Yeah, it's it's funny. Maybe it's an absence thing. You know, uh, that that we've been deprived of it for for. It only is about three months, really, considering the the, the last tour game was in November. But it's a combination of that and 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 a couple of good good games early on. I mean, normally Super Rugby is pretty dour in the first sort of month, where you got a lot of um, sort of hot, slippery conditions, and you've got referees that are that are probably uh, laying down the law and, and um, trying to set a standard for the season, and that generally results in a couple of um, you know, pretty scrappy games, a couple of scrappy rounds early in the year. But actually, the the, the set the standard so far has been been sensational. I've I haven't seen a, a bad game so far, and everything's um, yeah been been surprisingly good. And then you combine that with the Aussie teams getting a few wins, and and also just unearthing a few really great young players. I think each each team's probably got a couple of guys that are either um. You know, just come from come from almost nowhere, or or certainly started well, and and then other guys that look to have returned to form, and it just, I don't know. There's a bit of an excitement in the air, guys. I don't I don't know if it's just you, but uh, maybe just maybe this could be a positive year for Australian rugby. Who knows? Yeah, 
Oh, hang on. Oh, we'll just calm it down. Calm the farm there. Um, oh, look, uh, yeah, I've got to agree with you, though. I think it's been a, a, a really, uh, really great start, um, you know, for the Aussie sides. I think Laurie made a really good point there, which is that it is starting to cast, you know, I'm getting some memories from those other World Cup years where the Kiwis team seemed to start underdone, but I think that's because they realised there's a lot of rugby to come. Um so yeah, um, obviously you don't want to. Well, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, it's been a really, it's been a really pleasant start. And like you say, the skills and the handling um, it was really fascinating. Hearing what Laurie was saying about how they feel that this has been like a work in progress for the Brumbies team, and they're probably starting to see the pay um, for it now. Um, so if we if we can see more of that, um, that'd be great. I mean, I, just while I remember it, I'll say. Um, for our regular listeners is that you're probably used to us doing, trying to do a weekly podcast um, often through the super rugby season and, you know, kind of do a weekly wrap. We're probably not going to do that this year. Um, Simply that it's going to, with the world cup, it's going to be a long year. We're going to, you know, rather than sort of burn out spectacularly in the first four rounds of super rugby and then struggle, we thought what we do is maybe aim for about a monthly podcast during the Super Rugby season. Um, it'll probably be a little bit more haphazard to that. It might be more regular, um, especially if the Reds are winning uh, and uh, Reds will probably pester us to get back on. Um, but, you know, we'll probably do it in a, around about a monthly sort of um, cadence, if you like. Uh, and in that, we'll probably focus less about what are all the scores been over those weeks and the ins and outs of each of the matches and probably just take a bit of a step back and sort of say, look, how do we think what's happening within Aussie rugby overall and um, how's that sort of heading us towards uh, the World Cup and the international um, part of the season. Um, so, look, why don't we talk about what's caught, what's caught our eye, um, whether it's sort of – why don't we start at sort of team performance um, level? Uh, Jamie, what's, what's, your, what's your takeaway so far having seen, for example, well, obviously the Aussie teams, but, but anyone? Um, I, I guess, do, do I have to do the reg and talk about the reds? Is that, is that really where that's going? <laughs> um, well, if you can, if you can try and be as positive as him as well. Oh, I absolutely can be positive. Not only was the match an absolutely fantastic spectacle of rugby and, and well worth anyone's time to watch, um, the reds probably should have won it. Uh, they made a couple of key errors down the closing stretch that uh, allowed the Highlanders to sneak them. Does the Reds' lack of experience probably affect that? Yeah, it probably does. The, the kicking game in general play with Hegarty and Karevi and strangely not Stewart taking the lead there was pretty poor. A couple of very poor line-out throws at key times. But other than that, there was some real verve to their game. It was very exciting, very physical, uh, classic Brad Thorne. And uh, I don't know, there was, there was some reason to at least think that they will put on some performances this year that will be that will make the fans proud. Yeah, I mean, just picking up on that point, um, the sort of Brad Thorne-esque, um, sort of, it was the extra effort and contact that you saw though, you know, every Reds player make, um, probably especially the forwards with both in defence and attack. So, you know, whether it was, you know, looking to get the, 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 the ball carrier, you know, back over the game line or wrestling them around and slowing them up or doing whatever they needed to do in the, in the tackle contest or, or kind of, you know, get beyond and go for the second effort leg drive. That was really, really obvious, I thought, in, in that whole team. And, 
And they looked like they were happy to be able to do that for 80 minutes. Um, I believe Brad Thorne made a comment after the match uh, about that they'd obviously really focused on that. But it, it looked very much, it was, as you say, it was very sort of reminiscent um, of Brad Thorne. And I thought that was what, what was probably the, the foundation of their game. Um, had a few really good bright spots. I thought Sarovi had a great game, the halfback. Yeah, I was I was actually just going to say the same thing. His speed to the breakdown, there's definitely a video analysis piece in there, but it puts someone like Will Guinea at the moment to absolute shame. His spark and his speed and his accuracy was just exceptional for a young guy, and I, I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a fair bit more of him pretty soon. And, um, and the other guy who I finally saw what all the fuss was about, um, the um, outside centre, Jordan Pataya. Um, Pataya. Yeah, Pataya. I thought, you know, suddenly I went, oh, right, so that's what everyone's been talking about. Um, <laughs> some of his, his, his gas and, um, you know, strength on his feet, I, I thought were, were, were quite revelatory, weren't they? Yeah, the, the one thing I think he has, you know, there are other players with gas, there are other players who are good defenders. The one thing he has is that exceptional balance, that sort of knowledge of his own body weight in contact. Um, Israel mm-hmm. Falau has it. James O'Connor definitely had it, uh, and Jordan Pataya has it. Just when he hits contact, he's just able to move through the hips and like balance and dominate the contact and get his arms free, and uh, it's very exciting. Um, yeah. That break in the first half where he had sort of three guys in front of him and he just sort of half goose-stepped his way and just hit another gear and left them all for dead. I mean, yeah. my goodness, uh, that's, that's enough to make everyone pretty happy. Well, can well, I... I like I like to think Sorry. I have it after my eighth schooner, but uh, it, it, inside my own head, at least. <laughs> well, we'll leave that leave that there. But my um, Jordan Pataya moment, the one that got me, was a little moment that I don't think anyone would have really looked too hard at. But it was in the first half, and I think the Reds sort of passed back their twenty-two, and he was under a bit of pressure with not much support, and he proceeded to reel off a drop punt off his off his right. Um, that from sort of centre field managed to sort of clear uh, into touch on the uh, other side of halfway. And it was a beautifully um, technical kick where uh, I think to me it looked, you know, we've seen so many backs in Australian rugby who can't kick to save their life, to be honest. And, you know, you'd say say that about, you know, Tavita Kurandrani or, um, you know, someone even like Karevi who's who's improving. But... um, uh, you know, there's a, there's even Falau who's played AFL and still can't really kick well. And to see Jordan Pataya be able to have that, seemingly have that, um, you know, skill in his arsenal is is something that's very encouraging at such a young age that he could, you know, he he seems to have it all, which is which is um, so rare of someone his age. And it's and and you know, a World Cup spot is is certainly not out of the realm of possibility, is it? No. Well, and no, they probably. They probably had one of the tries of the season already as well. That one um, that Isaac Rodder finished off. Um, I'm trying that to was make incredible, remember. wasn't it? That was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it was. I think it was Chris Fowai Saltia doing the big hit. Lucan kicking it ahead. Lucan chasing it and beating the other guys to kick it again. And then Sarovi Stewart and Rodder finishing it off. That was that was incredible. Mm. No, it was, it was quite amazing. Uh, try so who who's taken your eye or like what across the teams or you know what kind of stuck out to you? Well, look, if we're just going to go through team by team, I suppose it's um it's it's Brumby's next if we're keeping the positive vibes going. 
um, and then we'll get to to, uh, to the rebels and Tars. But um, I, I mean, we spoke about it with with um, Laurie, so I suppose we don't need to go too into too much detail. But um, it, it, my takeaway from that game was it, it was just um, fantastic to see an Australian team, and I said this on Twitter, uh, get to a twenty point lead against a New Zealand team, and instead of sort of putting the cue in the rack and, and holding on and and inevitably losing in the last five minutes when the team runs over us. Actually keeping the foot on the throat and and um and going away from them and, and scoring a few more tries and actually keeping that attacking spirit and, and trying to score more points rather than rather than sit back and, and and it's um it was just fantastic to watch. It was try after try. And and as much as the Tom Banks and the Christian Lealofanos are gonna get the attention, the the um that forward pack was just a sensational performance. Set piece was solid, line out was sensational, and they're just they're carrying in general general defence and, and they've got depth. You know, you you look in it, at the sixtieth minute and there's Scott Seo on the sideline ready to come on. And you know, watching a few other scrums um Around the competition, there seems to be one of the Brumbies' real strengths, and and that um, forward pack where guys like Carter and Arnold, um, who were just doing the the carrying load, and and um, Valentini and and Falafianga, they've they've got some really um, good forwards there, and if they can stay fit, um, then you know the 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 Australian Conference title is is potentially theirs for the taking because they they just look settled, they look mature, they look well coached, and you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer, but um, you'd have to be feeling pretty confident if you were a Brumbies fan. Mm. And I thought uh, I thought Christian Leofano had one of the best games I remember him having for a long time. Um, you know, made a couple of great breaks, some um, some you know some really nice passes. Um, if I've got it right, even a little bit of kicking um, that I thought went really well. I just for me, I felt like he's one of the players who, for whatever reason, and I think you know. Um, a stint overseas is obviously, um, uh, you know, tragic illness and things like that that kind of have gotten in the way. But I think also just for a while there, it wasn't really clear what position he was playing. And I'm not sure that him and the Tamua thing in the latest stages worked really well. But I, in my mind, he never really kind of hit that potential like that he that he showed when he was in Ireland, for example. But I felt on the weekend we started to see some of that. He... Um, kind of really stood up with the decision-making and even showed a bit of gas at times and things like that. I, I thought um, I thought that was really, really impressive. Well, he's um, always been – injuries already always crueled him. I think there was that one yeah. season where he was a lay-down Mazaire for the Wallaby 10 to, or 10 or 12 and he broke his leg. And then there was another year where he got picked again. I think it was that first Lance test he got yeah, picked he got, to start and he got, he got, and got, got knocked unconscious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you feel like luck hasn't been on his side, and then obviously the uh, the horrible illness, and and it, it you feel like it, probably this is the year where he's got back finally to full health and fitness, and and it's it's obviously starting to show. Mm-hmm. I, I don't well, know if it's just I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it's because the Brumbies don't change their jerseys every year, but there was something about Saturday night that really looked a bit two thousand and four to me. It was it was the, the I mean the Chiefs defended well, very pardon. All of Canberra. <laughs> exactly. All of Canberra in the one stadium. But it was just <laughs> Lea Liafano taking it so flat. Like, everybody was running at full pace. The forwards were, like, trying things. It was very – and everything was very cohesive. Like, even when it was mm. unstructured, 
it looked like there was a plan to everything. They were having a, a great time playing rugby. Like the team was was obviously very enthused and it just looked like a throwback. And it was great to see. I mean, they've been a team who have really struggled the last couple of years to put in put together that sort of attacking brilliance. And it just came together magically on the night. I was I was very impressive. Well, what was what I really enjoyed watching there was, and every now and again you see a team kind of get it nailed, was just the whole quick ball concepts. Um, Joe Powell was absolutely flinging it. Sort of, it's that sort of thing where rather than taking a step back from the ruck, he's kind of passing out the side of the ruck, and so that people are hitting it absolutely flat. But then to be able to do that, you've got to shift bodies really quickly. And um, you could sit, they had kind of like that extra cleaner. He would, he would actually shift bodies from the floor if they needed to, to make sure that the, the ball was there. Um, and yeah, so I think it's, it, to me, it was really clear. That's obviously a key turn of their game. And I guess that fits into what Laurie was saying is if you want to play that, um, we'll create opportunities anywhere. Just the speed of the ball will do that for you um, to a large extent. Um, and I love, I love seeing that when it works. It, it works really, really well. I think people, it always gets underestimated. Uh, um, and the next thing you know, people are whinging about all oh, the halfbacks passes and as accurate as it could be. But the whole point is you just have that ball lightning fast and just get it in front of the runners. And that in itself will create holes and, 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 and whatever else. Um, you know, it's, so, we've had a lot of optimism so far. It's probably time by now, wouldn't you say? We've got to... To, to, to talk Tars? <laughs> yeah. We've, I mean, it wouldn't be a green and gold rugby podcast without some real deep pessimism. So, yeah. Well, look, okay, look, look I don't know if we can... Say, I, I think what we'd have to say... Well, what I'm going to say about the Tars is in they're at a fork in a road. Their season could go either way um, right now. I mean, what was... I would say what sounds probably sounds a bit grumbly and what looks very, very tar-like was to me in the performances they've had so far, they've had some standout, awesome performances, um, you know, potentially by individuals. So I thought Jack Dempsey on the weekend was absolutely standout and has just got Wallaby stamped all over him and you can see why he had that breakout season. Um, and I, I, I always get my heart in my mouth whenever it looks like maybe he, he got an awkward tackle and which way is his leg bent and that sort of stuff because of the, the injuries he's had. But if he can stay fit and playing the way he's already playing, I just think that's fantastic. Um, but then there's a bunch of other players who are kind of who are either seasoned internationals or have been around a while that I'm that I'm sitting there going, oh. Very, very average, um, you know, like whereas the Brumbies and, you know, and the Reds have come out firing and, and, and it's quite often young guys that you don't expect to see it. There are a bunch of seasoned professionals at the Tars right now. You're looking at them going, whoa, you know, either you're, you're doing, you know, either some reason we're pulling a, a, a New Zealand and we're, you know, putting them in cotton wool or, wool or something, but I couldn't help but feel... There were some guys out there that looked half cooked and definitely not motivated. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried yet. I'll give them, um, I'll give them a few more weeks. The buy probably comes weirdly at a good time for them, but then they go Reds, Brumbies, Crusaders, and that is a interesting little spell for them. I, I, I tend to think they'll probably, probably go one and two, or or maybe two and one. And that might set up their season from there. I think there's evidence has shown the guy like Foley, for example, doesn't tend to get going until week six. 
Um, and some of the Wallabies blokes that had heavy years last year and have probably had a, a light training load into the first round, um, probably tempted to give another couple of weeks just to see how they're going. But, yeah. you know, the, the reality of it is, is we've said this about the Tars a lot, and yet they got perilously close to the grand final last year, but that forward pack is, is light as a feather, and they're just going to get pushed around, and it's on their back line to... Uh, to actually come and save the day, which it has once and it almost did a second time. Um, two guys I'll I'll mention. You mentioned Jack Dempsey. I'll throw in Carmichael Hunt, who I think has looked fantastic. Oh, and again, it looked amazing. Another another bloke who who I'm I'm penciling in for my Wallaby squad. I think he's got versatility. He's got a complete game. He, his defense has been fantastic. But yeah, that energy is the other thing. You know that uh, charge down attempt on Hayden Parker in the 78th. I mean, arguably saved the game there. Those little one percenters that he's just doing. And the other bloke who, you know, I, I could cop a flogging for saying this uh, with certain people online, a guy who, who, for the first time, I think looks like he really belongs and could actually stand out at super rugby level is Ned Hannigan. I think he's put yeah. on weight over the, over the off season. He's made, he's got that motor, he's got skills, he's a line out forward. And now if he's got the bulk to go with it, then all of a sudden he actually becomes a really enticing proposition for for the six jumper, and um, it's going to be a, a really interesting one to watch this year because if he can actually um, start to use that experience that he's got and use that um, that motor with with a bigger frame, I saw I thought he played well against the Sunwolves. I think he's one to watch. Well, thanks, Hugh. We've just lost half our Queensland listeners. Um, <laughs> with, 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 with that they off after the rest anyway. I'm, <laughs> I'm even surprised by the level of optimism here from you two. I, I, I mean, honestly, are we getting that? Are we at that place? Like, I mean, let, let's be completely clear. They, the, the Waratahs deserve to lose that match. Um, I think nine times out of ten, Hayden Parker does kick that drop goal. Uh, if the referee picks up whatever it is that Tolu Latu did, that he got suspended today for red card offence, there's a penalty right in front of the posts. I mean, they were complacent. They clearly underestimated the opposition. They fucked around for half the game, sorry. Um, they had numerous, numerous overlaps with 20 metres out wide, and Israel Folau repeatedly managed to shut down the space instead of letting the guys outside him do their job and helping them do it. Um, the physicality was bad. The set piece was a disgrace. I mean, they had two scrums where they were obliterated like it was a mismatch at yeah. under-18s level. Um, and it's the same stuff we've seen over and over again. Like when Hugh says the pack is lightweight, uh, is this podcast being recorded in 2015? Like, I mean, this is the same stuff we've been saying every week. And they do have stars. And they have guys who can individually get them to the finals. But, I mean... You know, we've just had Laurie Fisher on talking about the way that you work as a unit to sort of improve the whole game and and everyone sticks to their job but also helps out with other people. Like, I'd be very surprised if someone was saying that about the Waratahs right now because they looked they looked like a group of individuals and they played absolutely appallingly. I mean, I thought that was that was as bad a display as I've seen from them for a long time. Yeah, oh, the disintegration of the scrum. Wow, what a... I mean, Against a Japanese a team, really? Yeah, well, he got disintegrated the, year, the the week before. I mean, it I was. Mean, I mean, they've just put a target on their back by every pack in the comp. I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, because and it was down the side of it was. Um, I think everyone. Johnson Holmes. 
Yeah, Johnson Holmes and what's his name? The uh, non-second row. Holloway. Um, Holloway. Holloway. So, you know, I don't know what combination of those two things it is, but that that, that side of the scrum just kept getting absolutely demolished. Um, so, wow, they've got – well, if they can do the work, I don't know what they're going to do. And then there's just like a whole bunch of players in there. Like I say, that I just – you know, um, you know uh, the, the hooker, is it Fitzpatrick? Um there was a bunch of work in the in the in the loose. I just you know again that kind of weight ability to chew up an overlap um, happened time and time again. I don't know. There was some there's some big big worries. Look, having said all that, um, we were like a very very kickable kick from Foley of a, a, a another win against a, a Kiwi team. That's true. Um, and we were also you know within a within a um, a point or two, you know, with the, with the Reds. I mean, imagine if we'd had three wins against Kiwi teams in, like, the first two weeks. I don't know. We wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. Um, yeah. No, no, look, I, I agree with all of that. And they did yeah. play a lot better against the Hurricanes. I think that's true. But, I mean, I, I really feel on the weekend, Carmichael Hunt was the difference between the two teams. I mean, he was, he was absolutely outstanding in defence and attack. He was great against the Hurricanes as well. I mean, he just looks like a guy who really has a point to prove and is, is jumping up and down and screaming and saying, Wallabies, pick me in this role. Like, he just looks like a completely different person and he he looks like a very smart signing, let's put it that way. Right. Which leaves just one team. Now, they've only that we haven't wanged on about yet. Um, it's kind of like the new home of the Queensland supporter, um, uh, the Melbourne Rebels. And I, I, I quite literally know... Uh, one, I don't know if he was bullshitting on Twitter, um, but um, Scott Bryant, an, an old contributor to the site and podcast, reckons he's, he's even though he lives in Brisbane, has actually um, taken out a membership with the Rebels. Um, and I'm guessing that's around the uh, their halfback um, sort of nexus. Um, so they've only played one game, but they dished up the Brumbies. Um, so if you can cast your mind back, uh, Hugh, or have you, did you see any? I should check. This was your first week, wasn't it? So you, you probably didn't see any of that match, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. But um, <laughs> seeing the highlights and I'm excited to watch the Rebels for the first time, hopefully this week, because, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, my theory at the start of the season was that, you know, using the Ben Darwin theory of cohesion, and, and Laurie Fisher spoke to that, I thought, pretty strongly just before, that they were going to struggle just because bringing in players like Cooper and Tamua, Nisarani, Luke Jones, there was just that sort of that turnover that's probably, you know, players in new players in key positions and it might just struggle to gel. But uh, yeah. on the evidence of week one, um, maybe it's uh, the magic man, Dave Vessels, um, who, who, hello to Dave, but um, he is obviously got that squad to gel and, and I got to Hey, it's um, it, you know, would you have them as favourites for the Australian Conference at the moment? I, I think the evidence is probably you, you probably would. Mm, well, yeah, there's a few uh, maybe that that could be interesting. I think is uh, we we know who we probably don't think are favourites, um, and the other three have probably all got a shout. Um, Jamie, did you see the Rebels by any chance in round one? Yeah, I did. Um... Uh, look, I think it's too soon to say, to be honest. I mean, it is round one of a notoriously gruelling competition. The front row is definitely a problem area. I don't think they have the depth to seriously challenge the, the, the good packs up front, and I think it's going to be a problem all year long. 
Um, but they look cohesive and the backs look good. What was really interesting about that match against the Brumbies was the tactical awareness. The, there was clearly a coaching directive that they didn't use in their preseason game against the Brumbies to basically run the forwards really close to the ruck in big clusters, not pods of three, pods of five. And the goal of that was to sort of get the Brumbies condensed in attack so that they could then allow Cooper, the blindside winger, and the outside backs to have more space out wide. It was, it was very old school, really. Backs and forwards separated. And it worked a dream. Uh, it, it really did allow Cooper to have that space to create uh, time in the, in the wider channels. And that's where they scored all their points. Um, if, they can, if they can display that level of tactical savvy and nous, I think they'll be, they'll be quite useful. Um, but teams like the Lions or the Crusaders or the Stormers are going to look at that front row, I think, pretty much all year, and I think they're going to be pretty pretty happy with what they see. Yeah. Look, the one thing I will say that came out of that match, um, I may have had a beer or two, but was just the, um, the commentator's hard-on for Quade Cooper. Um, I mean, look, fair enough. Um, good to see him back in Super Rugby, but... You know, it was. It seemed to be just a directive that everyone had to fawn all over whatever the guy did. They showed, they ran a highlight bit bits of him, didn't really show him do much. And then, so what they then started doing was talking about how well he underplayed his hand, um, i.e., didn't do a lot. So, look, it's, it's one game. It's early on. Um, he had an okay game, um, but I just, yeah, I I thought it was there was a little bit too much hyperbole. Um, going on you know i i I know exactly what you're saying and i think it's fair on the other hand i think that is actually a fair description of how he played in that game like he he was doing less but then when he did touch the ball everything was just very accurate very sharp very quick the ball was getting where it needed to get to very quickly and it made a big difference i mean he had a hand in a lot of the good things that melbourne were doing but that's exactly right, underplaying his hand, like not trying to do anything too flash, not trying to do anything too outrageous. And I think he's probably needed that in his game for a while. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he goes down injured it'll, or Genia goes down injured, I think the Rebels will take a, a huge hit. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure they're the same team without those two guys on the field. Okay. Well, look, now as a quick wrap-up then, each one of us, one player that we think is surprised or might be, a, you know, I guess it's a bit of a wallaby watch here. Um, somebody who's put themselves in contention or, uh, you know, um, put their hand up. Uh, who are you going to lead out with? Who, 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 who have you got? Only one player. Um, the guy that comes to mind is Lockie McCaffrey. Oh, no, you stole mine, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought I had one, yeah. Someone said on Twitter today, and I'd, you know, I think it was Reg that said, got a touch of the Richard Browns or the Scott Fathers in a good Super Rugby player and might not have, you know, enough to step up to the Wallaby level. And there's certainly some evidence that that could be the case. But also, there's a, the other flip side of that is he could be a Scott Farty, you know, yeah, relative experienced player, been overseas, knows his game, gets around the field, has got a surprising amount of power in contact, um, but certainly one to watch as the season goes on. Uh, indeed, Jamie? Uh, since I've already had a stab at Carmichael Hunt, I'll, I'll go back to Tom Banks. Uh, worth noting, you know, guys like Marika Corbetti, Jack Maddox, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all got chances on the wing last year and Tom Banks didn't. I think, I think he just keeps showing why he's, he's 
an all-class player, and he's got genuine, genuine gas. Um, and I think I think he could be something really special. Um, wait and see, but you know, watch this space. Okay. Well, and I'll go with someone we mentioned earlier on, but um, definitely had my eyes open to him, which was it was Bataya. Um, I thought, yeah, he showed a whole lot of class and. Um, also put some decent hits on, I thought. Showed, you know, had an aptitude for defence um, as well as attack. That balance thing, uh, he can also kick a footy. Um, yeah, I think, especially, when, look, I'll be honest, I'm still to be convinced on Maddox. So in terms of the, the young backline star um, who could find their way into, you know, covering a number of positions, that's who I've got my eye on there. Um, I thought he was really interesting. Um, well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Uh, anyone, anyone, any more for any more? Are we done for tonight? No. All good. Great, great podcast, Matt. Thought you really uh, underplayed your hand nicely there. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard. Righto then. Um, well, I'm going to, you know, if it, if it was Kaif, he'd be giving me a, a back rub um, off the back of that. <laughs> Um, look, good to talk to you guys, uh, and um, and good to have you, the listener, back as well. Like we say, these are probably going to be a little bit, a little less regular, but probably we'll have a little bit meat, to, a bit more meat to talk. But also probably try and get a few more guests on. Um, we can probably try and get around some of the Super Rugby coaches, for example, and have a bit of a yarn. So they should be good. Keep an eye out for them. Uh, and um, anyway, um, thanks for letting us um, come in your ears tonight, and uh, we'll be back next time. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de Beer.